Well, good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles, please, with me to Psalm 133. Psalm 133. Just read that together and then... Uh, Take the next few minutes to look at a few thoughts from the Word of God. It says there, Psalm 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down in the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. Let's just take a moment and ask the Lord to direct our thoughts as we look into his word. Oh Lord God, as we come before you with the desire to look into your word, to understand what it is that you would have for each one of us, I ask first of all that you would remove from our minds and our hearts distractions, things that would hinder us from hearing, expose in our own hearts, Father, the sin that that keeps us from obedience. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would bring home to us today the truth of your word. We just pray this now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> uh, the beautiful psalm here, and today I'd like to take the next few minutes to speak with you a little bit about the, the topic of unity. Unity in the body of Christ. Um, there's a troubling, um, what would you call it? tendency lately, I've noticed, and I don't think it's just lately, but um, that a lot of people seem to be running all over the place um, looking for the right place. And our brother just talked about fellowship. Um, the wonderful thing about meeting together with the local church is that we're supposed to be there through thick and thin. But it seems lately that we're there as long as it's good, but when it's bad, we're out the door. I'm just telling you what I see. When you look in the Bible, you don't see that that was the pattern God left in his word. The pattern God left in his word, even with the church of Corinth. When you look at the church of Corinth, the church that had a ton of problems. You think you may have had problems? They had problems. Like, we're not just talking little problems. They had big, messy problems everybody knew about. Like, there's problems sometimes that are kind of behind the door, and a few people know about it, and they're being dealt with. These were big problems, and nobody was even doing anything about it. And yet, the amazing thing is, when God spoke to the church of Corinth through Paul, God did not say to anybody, get out of there, it's too bad. He doesn't say that. Instead, what does God do? God gives instructions for them how to work together so that they can set things right. See, that's God's purpose. See, if God's purpose was to abandon things, then what would he have done with you and I? Yeah, he, he would have created the earth. When we messed up, he would have said, get, get out of here, I'm going to try it again. But he doesn't do that, does he? And, and so we need to take that as our pattern. When things get bad, then that's when the body should pull together. Have you ever watched what happens when our body gets sick? When our body gets sick, does it all of a sudden fall apart, like limbs start falling off? No, our body is designed, the whole system is, to work together, to function together, to heal itself. 
and to work together again. And, and now, when we take that a step further, what do we see? Well, you see, if you look at the local church, when there's trouble in the local church, and, and if we unite together and work through this, what ends up happening is because God, as I mentioned, God does not want to see us stuck wherever we might be. And, and look, I'm not, I, I don't know anything that's going on here, so I'm free to say this, okay? Um, every place, because there's human beings everywhere, there's problems everywhere. That's why I'm free to say this, okay? But what I wanted to point out to you is this, is when we as a body begin to pull together, and then we begin to pray together, and we begin to call out to God for the answers, then what happens is God will answer. God's purpose is to see the body restored and in the place it should be. And the beautiful thing is, is when we pull together and stick together, at the end of it, who gets to rejoice at the blessing of seeing God answer? The people who left? No. It's the people who stuck around and got down on their knees and they cried out to God because you got to understand, God is not up there kind of with his hand tightly shut saying, I don't want to give you anything. I don't want to do anything for you. You're going to have to really, I heard a song this week, it says, fall down and scream and shout to God. God's not up there with his stingy attitude holding back on us. God is waiting to pour out his blessing on us. But what does Isaiah tell us? He says it's our sin that hides God's face from us. And so that's why God wants us to come together as a body, confessing our sin, calling out to him. And he says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and, and turn from their wicked ways, then what would he do? He would hear them. God is not up there. He is in no way stingy. He gave his only beloved son. So where does the problem rest? If you have any doubts, go look in the mirror. If you still have any doubts, the best mirror to look at is the mirror of the word of God. Because when you look in the mirror of the word of God, you know what you'll find out? You'll find out that I'm the problem. Now I'm going to make a little change here. I, I feel like I'm stuck behind that thing. So I'm just going to use this thing and put my Bible on there. Hope you don't mind whoever this belongs to. Um, I feel like I'm caged here, so I, I, I struggle with cages. Um, <clears throat> you can imagine. So, um, relationship formed the basis of the body of Christ. And so, what's the problem? Well, the problem is when people get together, there's problems. We begin to, to chafe each other. Now, is, it, is, is it because God didn't know what he was doing that he allowed that to happen? No, it's because God knew what you and I are all like. God knew that some of us are very pliable and others are very hard. And so God begins to use the two different ones to form a body. And we're going to see this in a bit, that God is forming, he's creating the body of Christ who will ultimately be the bride of Christ. That's his purpose, to do that through you and through me. And each of us, he's working through us to do that. And, and to do that... We need unity. If you look at your own body, the body is meant to work together. Now, I know as you get older, and I'm starting to get to that stage of life, the body's not working quite like it should be. Like before, you know, I could jump right up on the platform here. If I do that, I'll ache for two more days, you know. Um, <clears throat> it's not working like it should be. But still, my body still functions for the most part. When I want to move this foot ahead, it goes, and the other leg goes. Can you imagine if this leg started to go ahead and this one started to go back? Splits wouldn't be a very pretty thing on my part, I can tell you that. 
the body is meant to work together in unity. And, and that's God's purpose as well for the local church and for the body at large is that we work together. Now, one thing I want to establish right at the beginning, when we talk about unity, unity is not uniformity. Uniformity means everything the same, everyone the same. Okay? Paul talks about that, and we'll see that in a few minutes. He says, if everybody was a nose, where would the hearing be? And if everybody was an eye, like, where would the feet be? You know, I, we can't all be eyes. Can you imagine all of us little eyes hopping all over the place? That'd be pretty ridiculous. Or little feet walking around. We're, we're all different parts because we're forming a body. And so we need to remember that when we work together. You don't have to be the same as me. You don't have to be the same as me, but we have to be able to work together so that ultimately the body functions, and that's the purpose. Can the body function together? If the body cannot function together, then there's problems with the parts working together. You look at a car. A car has many different parts, but all those parts go together to move down the road. We don't want all wheels. We don't want all steering wheels. We don't want all seats. We need all the different pieces. And so each person, if you are a believer here today in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are an intrinsic part of the body of Christ. You need to understand that you have a function in the body of Christ, and it's an important function. Um, I remember reading a while ago that they used to say there were 42 vestigial organs. I don't know if you remember that word, because really they found out there's none anymore. But the vestigial organ, they thought there were 42 parts of your body that had no purpose. Like you could cut them off, throw them away, and it wouldn't matter. Well, they've discovered that every part has its purpose in the body. Now, sure, you can cut off my arm and I can still survive, but you know what? I prefer to hang on to my arm. It serves a useful function in my body. And you, as part of the body are important for making that body function properly. Now, <clears throat> to understand how unity works, the best place to begin is the example. Now, if you'll turn with me to John chapter 17 and verse 21. Um, <clears throat> John 17, verse 21. We see there the example God gives us of, of unity the standard, I should say, of unity. And that standard of unity is between God the Father and the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it says there, John 17, verse 21, um, and we may as well read verse 20. Jesus says there, I do not pray for these alone, his disciples, but also those who will believe on me through their word. What does he pray? That they may all be one that they may be united, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. You see, the standard for unity for the local church is the unity that we see between God the Father and God the Son. It's the unity between the Father and the Son. Now, what kind of unity do we see there between the Father and the Son? Well, I'll give you an example. Turn over with me to uh, Matthew chapter um, 3. And in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus has, is, is beginning his ministry, and he comes to John to be baptized. And in verse 16, notice what it says there. So Jesus went to be baptized by John, 
And um, after he was baptized, verse 16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up, up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly there came a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You see here, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit working together. And what was their purpose in working together? Their purpose was to redeem you and I to God. So you see that God in his purpose and in his work is united. It wasn't like one was off doing one thing, one was off doing another, and they, they really weren't talking to each other. No, they were perfectly united in everything they, they went to do. Listen to what Jesus would say in John chapter 8, and verse 28. He would say, I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. Then verse 29, I do always those things that please the Father. Jesus would say, I do always those things that please the Father. Nothing he did was of, of himself. And so you see that everything that the Lord Jesus did was in perfect um, communion with his Father. Everything he did was according to his Father. If you look back in the book of Isaiah, there's a, there's a, there's a passage there where it says that Jesus, it says that you have opened my ear to hear like the disciple. Morning by morning, it says I would, he would arise. And why would Jesus arise? Well, if you look in the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus would get up early and he would go apart to pray. And sometimes he would spend the whole night in prayer. Now, do you think Jesus needed to pray? Like, is he, it was because he lacked something? No. But he would pray because he would commune with his Father. They were always in perfect communion, always in perfect unity about everything that had to be done. And so there you see the standard for us, for you and I, for how we are to live. <clears throat> and ultimately, in, and just to finish it off, speaking about our salvation, in John chapter 10 and verse 28 to 30, listen to what Jesus would say, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. That's one of the first things, the Shema, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. God is united in every way, in his purpose, in his work, in everything. And so that, people, that seems very lofty. It is very lofty. But that is the standard for you and for me, the unity that is between, between you and I if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a pretty high standard, isn't it? But so that we can appreciate it a little more, the second area um, <clears throat> we need to understand is, is the unity um, with God that we have. Because you see, at salvation, we are made right with God. Before man had turned away from God, you remember that? Everyone had turned away. They'd all done their own works. It says, all become um, wicked. There is none that doeth good. No, not even one. There was none that did good. So all man had turned from God, what God had proposed for man, and he had turned to his own way. Um, 
And in fact, you see the disunity against God and a unity among men who are against God. So much so, it says in Psalm chapter 2 and verse 2, or Psalm 2 verse 2, it says the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. You see in the world around us, there's a unity. And what's the unity for? It's against God. It says they take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. So they're united, but they're united with God. No, they're united against God. And so what happens? Well, God's purpose is through the Lord Jesus Christ is first to unite us to God. And you see, you can never be united with me, and I can never be united with you, except, except through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the world talks about peace. The world talks about all these things, but these things can never happen apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. If the Lord Jesus Christ is not the center of us coming together, then we will never come together. Now, you need to understand that, because without that, there will never be unity anywhere. There can never be unity in the local church. And that's why, folks, if anything, I would plead with you, and I, genuine, I say this with all of my heart, if you desire to see the unity in the local church, where it has to start is with your fellowship with the Lord God. And if you do not have that fellowship with the Lord God, you will never have any unity and communion with any of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh yeah, you may be able to sit down and have a meal together, but ultimately, when it means working together as a local body to see God's work moving ahead, that will never happen if the Lord Jesus Christ is not at the center of it. And he's got to begin by being center of your life and of my life. Because when there are two believers who have the Lord Jesus Christ at their center, what does the word of God say? If there are two or three gathered together in my name, where is he? In the midst. He's there with us. But if we're not there together around him, he's not there. And I wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes, when we get together, and you examine your own heart. I've had to examine mine. And I know there's been a lot of prayers offered. Although we did a lot of, I did a lot of talking and made a lot of noise, I don't think he was there. You examine your own heart. Remember the church of Ephesus? What was the testimony of the church of Ephesus? They were doing everything right. All the activities. All of, all of the works that they were doing. They were standing against the right things. They were for the right things. They were doing all the right works. And yet who was not there? The Lord Jesus Christ was not. Why? It says because you've left your first love. And when you leave something, it's not there anymore. They had left the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you see, that's a dangerous place to be. And that's why it's so important when we remember the Lord Jesus Christ every Sunday morning. See, that time when we come together to remember and to worship the Lord, that should be like an overflow. It should be an overflow of what I've enjoyed all week. Every day, every day, and I, I, I'm going to tell you honestly, I can't say I do this every day. But it's my desire to do this every day. To every day spend time and and. Spend time appreciating who the Lord Jesus Christ is. So that when I come, to, come Sunday, it's just my heart is so full of him that it's just everybody I come in touch with is going to get splashed with him. They're going to get wet with the Lord Jesus Christ, so to speak. But it has to start on a daily basis that he's the center of our life. And so he saved us so that we could have communion with him. Listen what it says in 1 Corinthians 
um, what God has done. Look what God has done for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, listen to what it says here. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us of God or by God. God has given us his spirit so that we can know what he has given to us. And that spirit dwells within us, and that spirit begins to reprove or to rebuke. He begins to show us those things that are not of God. Why? Because if we are going to live together in unity, the spirit is the one that has to guide us to do that. Because there's sometimes that, that I need a good slap on my hands, and you need a slap on your hands. And there's sometimes we need a little push. Yeah, you need to do that. Sometimes we need a finger to say, no, that was wrong, that's sin. And the Holy Spirit does that, doesn't he? And sometimes the Holy Spirit just steps back and says, he's grieved, and says nothing. And all of a sudden it's like, what happened? Why? Because we're not in obedience. But God has given us his spirit so that we can know what God has given to us, and ultimately so that we can live together in unity. That's God's purposes, so that we can live together in unity. And, and what more has God done? See, it's not like God has said, okay, go do it. And it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. It's like one time I was in Peru, and I got a phone call. We were in town having, um, it was Friday night. We were in town. We'd go sometimes in town and have a little supper um, as a family because we basically spent the week in the village. And so we are gone into this town. We were sitting down at a little restaurant, boat to have supper, and I get a phone call. Could you come and... Um, this lady has died from our meeting. Um, could you come and speak at her, the wake? And the wake is where everybody comes. So I said, okay. Um, well, how soon can you be here? Uh, well, <laughs> about an hour. So I had to eat quick and get in a vehicle, drive back. So I went down and met some of the Christians. This is from another um, group of Christians. And so there's a brother there, and he took me up to where the place was. Now, that she was the only lady in the whole family that was saved. All the rest of them were very staunch Catholics. So I, I went there, and um, I get there, and what they do there is they'll, they, um, they, the houses are all built on the street, like the sidewalk, and then you're right on the street. So what they'll do is they'll put up four posts and wrap material around it, cloth, and leave one side open, one side open to the house. And so people put chairs in there, and you can have 50, 100 people sitting there. So I get there, and kind of like, what do I do? Just give him a minute, he says. So he disappears in the house. And um, so I thought, okay, he's going to make the arrangements, come back and tell me what i got to do. So he comes back to me and he goes, um, okay. I go, what do you mean, okay? <laughs> That's all I got was, okay. I had no idea what he wanted me to do, so I went and did whatever I thought I should do. Um, the, the point was, I, I was looking for a little more direction, what I should do. Now, fortunately, I had the word of God, and I had some people to help me, so we went in, sang a few hymns, stood right in front of the casket, um, sang some hymns, and then I preached, and it's, it's, it's totally different in here. Uh, people were going by, and there was noise and chaos everywhere, and I just kept right on preaching as loud as I could, so as many people as I could hear. But the point was, I had no instructions how to do it, and, and I, fortunately, God gave me grace to do that. But you know, it's not that way when, as Christians, God has given us everything to live this life. You see, he's given us his Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. Then it says, actually, a little further on, it says he's given us the mind of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean everything I think is Christ, but God has given me through the Holy Spirit to know how I should think and how I should live. So I have everything through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
so I can know how to live this life, including the power to do that. I can't do it on my own. But through God and through the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit, I can actually live this life. I can get along with you, and we can work together. You know what? I think everybody can think of someone they, they struggle to get along with. And yet through the Holy Spirit, we can learn to work together. That's what, the, that's what it's all about. And so, <clears throat> you see, um, Rome, John 14, verse 26. Just to give you a couple quick verses here, and then I want to get to my last point. I know time is fleeting, going by. But John chapter 14, it says this. It says, the, Father, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Again, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to teach us all the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because if you and I, if you and I are to live like the Lord Jesus Christ, if we act like the Lord Jesus Christ, then you know what? We will get along. We will be united. Because that is God's purpose, is to change us, to change you and I to be like Christ. And as you and I are conformed into his image, then, then you and I will begin to work together to see his purpose done, just as God the Father and God the Son work together to redeem you and I from hell. That's his purpose, is for you and I to work like that. And so what does it look like? For the body to work together. Well, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, you see in verse um, 5. Just take a look at that with me, please, because I want you to see that. Romans chapter 12, verse um, 4. <clears throat> it says this. And here he's given us the example of the body. A picture of a body. And I've been already talking about this a little bit. It says in verse 4, As we have many members... In one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So there is the, there's what I was mentioning to you earlier. There's one body, but the body is not just one. It's made up of all different parts, all different members. And yet each member is vitally important to the function of the body. And so one of the questions I have to ask you is this. And you need to do the examination. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today, if you have confessed your sin and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have a function in the body. Now the question I have for you is this. Is, are you fulfilling the function for which you were born again? See, God has, has chosen each one of us to be a specific function in this body. Are you fulfilling that part? And perhaps you say, well, I could never do that. Well, we just talked about that. You can't. But God has placed within you and I his Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, and to empower us to do the work. So no, you can't. But as you come to the Lord, he will empower you to do that work. I can't get along with him. You don't have to worry about him. You just do your part, and God's going to do the same work in him so that you and him or you and her can get along together and work together to see his um, will fulfilled. And so my part then is not to go looking at everybody else. My part is to do what God has given me to do, to fulfill that function. But you see, if you're not fulfilling the function, what happens? Well, it's like a, any part of my body. Um, 
I was talking earlier with Brian, and he was saying there, you know, if you work with computers all, you get the computer slouch. Your head goes ahead like that. You kind of get a lot of bad posture. And what happens, he was saying the neck muscles get strengthened and the ones here get weakened. Because I'm not doing things the way I should, some parts of my body have to compensate and eventually these, these neck muscles start to get a real big problem. So what do I have to do? Well, I have to get these muscles to work and I have to start sitting up straight and doing all these other things so that the body functions correctly and the pain is not there anymore. Well, it's the same thing. When you don't fulfill your part, other parts of the body are suffering. And so you, if you say to me, well, I don't know what my part is. Well, the first thing you can do is begin to be faithful at the local church. And one thing that's amazing is if you watch and especially work with your elders through this to see where are their needs in the local church. And I'm not talking, I'm, I'm talking the basic thing. There may be some very basic things that are getting overlooked. You know what, something, I, 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 where we fellowship right now, there's a lady there and she said, nobody has said hi to me in I forget how long. Is that a function in the local church? Just to walk up to her and say to her, good morning, how are you this morning? I am happy to see you here today. Could you do that? I think most of us could, couldn't we? And yet that is an important function. This lady, she felt completely alone and cut off. Why? Because nobody said hello to her. Now, we're all very good to get together to a little click. But what about everybody else? What if I just step aside out of my click and go over and say to someone, you know, I don't know if I've ever talked to you before, but I am really glad you're here every Sunday. Or I'm glad you're here just today. Like, that's not a huge part, and yet it's so important. See, sometimes we think, well, you know, I, I think I really should be doing this because I'm pretty important. That's not what God says. Look at Jesus. Remember, we're starting, with, he's our example. Where did he start? Did he come out and sit on the highest throne on earth? He could have. It belonged to him, but where'd he go? He started off at the lowest place, didn't he? That's the attitude we need to take if we're going to be serving him. And you know what? I'm telling you something, folks. Don't think that I'm standing up here telling you like I've got everything under control. I don't. Like when it says humble yourself, I realize every day that as God brings the mirror of the word in front of me, how much I need to get down on my knees and to repent of pride. Oh, it gets in there very quickly, and I think I, somebody should recognize Mark DeJager. Jagger. I don't want anybody to see me. Remember what John said? John says, I am a voice. Do you see a voice? You don't, do you? A voice is to draw attention. May I only draw attention to my lovely Savior, because he's the only one that's worthy. And so God will empower us to do what he has for us to do. And so when you look at the body of Christ, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, we'll just read you this. It says, as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. There is only one body. There's not a whole bunch of little bodies. There's one body. Now, in this body, there is no status. There is no status. Race, gender, um, economic status, whatever all the world gets bent out of shape with, in the body of Christ, there is none of that. Being a male, I am no important than the females. God has created each of us to be his high priest, to be his priest, offering up sacrifices worthy of God. Now, there is order. There is order. 
but there is no status. You have to remember that. God has placed order. We don't want chaos. Can you imagine if all of a sudden, well, you see people, as they begin to lose their bodily functions, there is disorder, right? So God has created order, but there is no status. So because I may be up here preaching today makes me no more important than anyone else, no matter what their position may be or whatever their function may be in the local church. I'm only here by the grace of God, and you're where you are by the grace of God. So we need to remember that. Um, because what does Jesus say? In, in Galatians 3.28, Paul says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. So we're all one because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not one of us can lift up our head and say, Well, you know what? Uh, I, you know, I'm glad you're all here today, but uh, I'm really the important one here today, so you should just be thankful I'm here. It's not so. We all should be thankful that we're all here today because we're all part of the one body. And the most important part is who? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is the central part of it. Now, I, I'm going to hurry on here. Um, listen to what the mindset should be. And I've mentioned this, I've touched on this already. Uh, Matthew 20, verses 26 to 28. Whoever desires to become great among you, whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first, let him be your slave. Do you want to be somebody's slave? See, the slave doesn't get to say, well, I don't really think I want to do that today. I think uh, I don't want to wash your shoes or clean your dirty feet or clip your toenails. The slave doesn't get to say that. The master says the slave does. See, it, it, we have to have the mind of the Lord Jesus, don't we? Let this mind be in you, which was also in the Lord Jesus. Let everyone esteem other better than themselves. How is it possible that I can esteem you better than myself? I'll tell you how it is, because each one of you serves a function in the body that I cannot do. Did you hear that? You serve a function in the body that I cannot do. And so you are vitally important to the function of my body. You know what? If you think of it this way, maybe I am a hand in the body. Well, I can't get along without the mouth. I can't get along without the heart. I can't get along without every part because every other part is feeding me and taking care of me. I need you. And so I esteem you highly, more highly than myself because I can't survive without you. We're part of one body, and so we need to work together. And so, <clears throat> listen to what it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. This unity that is in us should reflect the unity that is with God. It says, if we walk in the light, so I'm walking in the light with God, and if you're walking in the light with God, it says we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, is cleansing us from all sin. As we're walking in that light, you and I, and we're, we're walking in light, allowing the light to expose our sin, then what will we do when the sin is exposed? We confess it. Why? So we continue to walk in the light, and so we continue to fellowship first with God and then with each other. That's what unity is about, is walking in the light with God. Now, um, I'm just going to wrap it up because my time is all gone. Um, uh, one quick little thing. Look in the book of Acts if you want to see examples of unity. Remember Paul, and, um, I'm sorry, not Paul, when the disciples were taken before the, um, the, the, high, the high priest and the chief priest and that, and they told them 
they said, don't you speak in this name again. And then they went back to the Christians. And what happened when they got back to the Christians? You see a spontaneous response, a united response to this threat. Immediately, what did they do? They fell down and they prayed to God. That was a united effort. They fell down and they prayed to God. And then what happened? The place was shaken. God was there when the people were united. And so you see examples. Look through the book of Acts and you'll see examples of unity. But now, what is the effect of unity? What is the effect of unity? Well, the effect of unity is this, that there will be no divisions. Because listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. In other words, you all speak the same word. And that there be no divisions among you. There should be no divisions among us. We should be marked by our unity. Secondly, when we are marked by unity, if you go back to first John, or John chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, what will the effect be? The world will look at us and it will notice. Why? Because they can't get along. Oh, certain aspects, yes, they do. But when they begin to see the diverse people that God has brought together and their function together, they will say, it's only God that has done this. The world will notice that it's only of God that this happens. And so if I could return to Psalm 133, <coughs> it leaves us two examples there. To teach us the, the lesson of unity, it talks about the oil that Aaron was anointed with. And that oil went down and it flowed from his beard and then it would flow down his garments. And you know what? As you would walk by Aaron or Aaron would walk by you, you know what you would smell that day? Would you smell something bad or disgusting? No, you'd smell something sweet. Something very memorable because they weren't supposed to make this oil, anybody else. And so as he walked by, you'd be like, wow, that smells good. That, what a wonderful smell. That's the first example of unity. When we work together, it leaves a beautiful aroma. It leaves a good aroma. Secondly, it talks about the dew of Hermon that descended upon the mountain. That dew that descended on the Mount Hermon would then actually feed the River Jordan, which would flow down and nourish all the countryside. You see, that dew, that unity, is like that dew that comes down and nourishes everything around. That's the effect that unity should have, is that ultimately it's going to nourish everything else because as I take care of you in the body of Christ, you take care of me, and we work together. And we supply the need of each part of the body. That's, the, that's what God wants us to do, because we're all one together. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, to wrap this up, God's purpose for you and for me is that you and I would each function in his body united. But that's only possible when the Lord Jesus Christ is at the center. And so that's where you need to begin. Begin. Where is the Lord Jesus Christ in my life?